Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we come to you again, thankful that you hear us for the sake of your Son, our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. And we ask that as your word is read and preached this evening, as we continue to worship you, that the Spirit would continue to work through your means of grace, that we might see and hear of the saving of the lost, the maturing and sanctifying of your people, that we would, those who trust in in Christ, would be made more like him. As we rejoice, as we come to your word with thanksgiving, as we praise your name. Amen. Well, if you'll turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 24, we'll be looking at the first 12 verses this evening in chapter 24 as we continue our move through the gospel according to Luke. We've been moving our way to this portion as we come to the resurrection, as we're turning in in your pages, I'll remind you that Luke's written to confirm the certainty of the gospel, Lord Jesus Christ. We've been, as I mentioned, moving towards the resurrection. We, we went through the death of Christ on the cross, his burial. Now we come to the resurrection. The women are returning to the tomb to care for Jesus' body. To follow along in your copy of God's Word as I read. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel, And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered in the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with whom, who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. You know, it seems, uh, perhaps maybe it's just the days paying attention, what's been moving, but it seems that it's becoming harder and harder to tell truth from from faults, reality, from make-believe. And it's interesting, there's a big push right now to, to bring to light a, an online world that would, would cause us to, to take a, a massive step forward living in a virtual space. There's 
perhaps you've heard of this the last year or so, there's been a concern of technology developing that would create what's called deep fake videos that, that literally video could be taken and, and altered in such a way that it would almost be impossible to tell that it happened. And the great concern, of course, is if this is done and you think of civil sphere and leadership and you could have, could have some great consequences there, not being able to know what is truth seen scandals that revealed social media companies have, have blocked what they believe to be untruthful or truthful depending on the situation, seeking to have their own truth put forward. Sadly, people have come across the aisles to almost expect truthfulness to be something that doesn't exist in the civil sphere. We even hear of secret groups and Christian denominations working all types of things cause truth to seemingly be fleeting and escaping. We almost feel at times like we're in a world that's overflowing with, with lies. But in the midst of this, we can be assured of one great truth as we've been seeing these truths working our way through Luke. We see another great one here in our passage that we can stand upon, a rock of truth, we can moor ourselves to, and that is that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. We're going to look at three things from our passage this morning, or this evening, as we're together here in Luke 24, the empty tomb of the resurrection, the promise of the resurrection, and the disciples of the resurrection. It's the empty tomb of the resurrection. As I mentioned, the the women are now coming back to the tomb. They're approaching the tomb. They're returning to finish the job that they had started last time we were together. You'll remember that as our passage ended last time, the sermon came to a conclusion. Uh, The women who had gone to the tomb to to care for the body of Christ had hastened away. They they had hurried away because the Sabbath was about to begin. They, They wanted to get home that they might honor the Sabbath. Now, having rested, they're coming back. It's early in the morning, Sunday morning, the first day of the week. They're coming back with their spices, their ointments, to continue to conclude the preparations for Christ's body that it might then lay in the tomb. But when the women come, they don't find Jesus. They find this empty tomb. They, they approach in the early morning light and the, and the rock is, is rolled away. And they enter and even entering they find nothing. Jesus' body is gone. The question of where obviously is in their mind. Most likely from the context probably one of who is taken the body of Jesus. We don't know, since we don't know their mind, and we're not told specifically. I remember when I was a child, though it was not early morning, it was late at night, we were pulling back into our house. It was dusk, and it looked like our door was wide open. And I thought, oh, I had this terrible sinking feeling in my stomach. I thought, this is not a good thing. Turned out it was. The door was wide open. Someone, in fact, had kicked the door wide open, gone in and 
had robbed our family. It was like a black hole when you looked and saw and came towards it. Going in the house was, was fearful, knowing that we'd been robbed, knowing not completely what was going on. Were they there? Were they not? Imagine early in the morning in the darkness, the thoughts that the women who were coming to care for Christ, his body, they were thinking. And as they do, they, they come, and, and then in the midst of this question, where is, is Jesus? The women learn, they learn that Jesus is risen. Now, first, they're terrified and they're frightened before they learn this truth. They're there, and, and then they appear. From the context, we see the angels, these two men in, in dazzling clothes who frighten the women who are there. In this terrifying moment, they explain what it is that's happened. There's no more wondering, where might Christ's body be? There's no more wondering, could the authorities have taken it? But instead, they know, because they're told, and it's clear. And they're frightened. And just a little rabbit trail here, speaking of, of the angels. Every time, every time we see angels in the scriptures, isn't it interesting that one, they say, don't worship me, which means people are looking upon them thinking these are beings worth worship. And the second thing, most often they're either frightening people or telling people not to be afraid. They're not little babies, not little effeminate things with wings, but they are mighty, angelic beings. And they announce, announce to these women that Jesus is not here. Living one is not amongst the dead. He he has risen. They're blessed, the first to hear this, this message from the lips of these angelic beings. First to hear that, that what they remind them, what Jesus said was going to happen, that the Son of Man must be delivered in the hands of sinful men and must be crucified and on the third day rise. It says in verse 8 that they remembered the words of Christ as these angels reminded them of them. Don't you remember? You came in looking. You came in even with a little bit of doubt, thinking his body would be here to prepare. But don't you remember what he told you? What he told you must happen. Jesus, Jesus is risen. You know, after Jesus' death that we looked at last time we were together, which is, I think, the most important truth, the second most important truth in all of Christianity is the resurrection of Christ. If Christ did not die, our sins would not be paid for, and that, that would be a horrible, tragic thing. So that is a wonderful, blessed, amazing truth that we're thankful for. And then the, the next one right after that is the resurrection of our Savior, the the fact that the grave could not hold the God-man. The fact that there was a, a stamp of a, approval put upon and an assurance given to us in his resurrection that yes, this work is accomplished. Yes, the sins have been atoned for. Yes, you may, without a doubt, trust in Praise and worship the Lord Jesus Christ for the work that he has done. Jesus, 
is risen. It's a wonderful fact that we see the incarnation, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. If happened, there is no reason to doubt they are before us. They are ours as God's people to cling to, to hold on to, to remind ourselves and each other of the great truth. And the certainty that we have. Now, when you look at the other religions of the world, other philosophies that that seem to to capture the imaginations of folks, things that seem to be so wise, things that seem to be so compelling, there's a consistent theme. There is not a risen Christ amongst them. Look at main world religions and reminded that Muhammad is, is in the grave. Think of Buddha, Confucius, in the grave. Think of main world philosophies that, that, are, that are driving much of parts of the world. Marx is in the grave. Lenin is in the grave. Mao is in the grave. All of these, all these folks, they're dead. They're in the grave. Only Christ is risen. Only Christ is risen. It seems that the God-man, having risen from the dead, gives him Gives him quite the authority to stand upon to say, yes, what I have told you, the gospel, my word, the Bible, it is true. I've done these things, all that's been promised, the redemptive history, all that we go back to Genesis and the promise to do these things. The promises of redemption, even the greater promise that that we see going, looking forward to the new heavens and new earth as, as God is Fixing everything, even to the point of the renewing of his universe and the new heavens, the new earth, the return of Christ, all these things. We can look to and be encouraged and be thankful for for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, has risen. These things are true. As he tells us and commands us to repent of our sins and turn to him in faith, we can't ignore that. Because he is risen. His resurrection proves that he is who he says he is. So we see the empty tomb of the resurrection, and then we we come to the, the promise of the resurrection. Jesus told his disciples this resurrection was coming. That's what the angels told the women. That's what they how they explained to them what was going on. They said, Remember. Remember what he told you. Remember what he said. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And on the third day rise. And as we said, they were thankful. They remembered. It was clear to them. And then they had the blessing and the privilege to go as, as we read. And, and they went to the other disciples to tell them. To tell them what had happened. Everything Christ said is true. 
And I told him, he, he is risen. His promise has been kept. He heard it. Jesus' promise, resurrection, is one also for all who believe in him. So there's the promise that he said, I, I will rise. And then there's another promise, a promise of resurrection for his people, a promise we see throughout the Old Testament, New Testament, that's consistent, flows through. And just, we're going to look at two examples. In Job, if you go back to Job in the Old Testament, in chapter 19, I want to say that Job understood this promise that was given to him regarding his Redeemer. We start in verse 25. He says, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself. And my eyes shall behold, and not another, my heart faints within me. Points out the promise of the resurrection of the Redeemer. The Redeemer, His Redeemer, lives, will be standing upon the earth, and then, and then he touches on His, His bodily resurrection that He knows is coming one day. Go you know, in the New Testament, the Gospel according to John, chapter five. We see in, in verse starting in uh, verse nineteen. Christ is talking about his authority. And in the midst of this conversation about his authority, as he's he's proclaiming these truths, we see again, resurrection is brought up. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And in greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom He will. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent Him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears My word and believes Him who sent Me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he's granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he's given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Just grab two. One from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament, just to, to see that. But it's a consistent promise throughout the Scriptures. This promise of the resurrection. And it's one of the things that as we gather together on the Lord's Day, we celebrate many things. And we come and we celebrate the incarnation of our Savior. We, we celebrate His perfect life. We celebrate His death, His atoning work on the cross. And we celebrate His resurrection. 
We celebrate the promises, those covenant promises that are for us, his people. So the empty tomb and the resurrection, we see the, the promise of the resurrection. And then, then we come to the, the disciples of the resurrection. Now, Jesus' disciples, they, each of them here, they do show in, in different ways a, a lack of faith in their, their master's teaching. He told them these things. We, we saw it as we moved through Luke over the last over a year we've been moving through here. It's, it's clear Christ had been proclaiming the truth to them. He'd been preparing them. He, he told them what he's doing, and, and yet they seem to be looking through glasses dimly. They, they did not grasp these truths just as they didn't grasp many things. And even at his death and then his burial in the tomb, this moment, and the mission was complete when all had been accomplished, when the perfect Lamb of God, that final atoning sacrifice had been made, they still, they still find themselves not Rejoicing in the midst, celebrating, awaiting, awaiting for that third day. Confident that their Savior would rise. We saw it with the women. As the women go, and what is it that they do when they go to the tomb? They're not going that Sunday morning, singing psalms and praises. They're not going, awaiting to see the empty tomb. They're going to, to continue to prepare the body of Christ for the rest of its time in the grave. At least they went. The other disciples are, are hiding, they're gone, they're, they're wherever it is that they are. Whatever it is that they're worried about, we see nothing recorded that they're anticipating from where they are. That yes, the third day is coming. It's like one of my favorite parts of Lord of the Rings book series when there seems to be no hope. When the enemy seems to be overrunning almost half of the world of man. They've got them pinned in this small little fortress. And there was a promise made that no one seemed to remember. Gandalf said, look for me on this morning. I will return. I will come. I will bring salvation. I will deliver you from the enemy. And it's not till the moment that they remember. And of course, the books are amazing, but the movie does a good job too. And They had forgotten about it. And then it happens. The women came. They had forgotten about this great truth, the resurrection that was coming but the angels tell them remind them and when they do they they remember they remember all that christ had said in verse eight they remembered his words and what is it they then go and they tell again the other disciples remember 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 it's happened it's true our savior has risen they weren't expecting it. Ryle, a few generations ago, warns us through this 
his comments looking at this reality, this truth of, of where the disciples were and their, their faith and their understanding, their mindset, what they were looking for at this moment, that morning, and what they weren't. And through his comments, I think he gives us a good encouragement to pay attention to. He writes, perhaps we marvel at their unbelief. That's the easy thing to do. How could they not be waiting? How could they not be anticipating the third day? Perhaps we marvel at their unbelief. No doubt it seems at first most senseless, most unreasonable, most provoking, most unaccountable. But shall we not do well to look at home? Do we not see around us in the Christian churches a mass of unbelief far more unreasonable and far more blameworthy than that of the apostles? Do we not see after then 18, now over 20 centuries of additional proofs that Christ has risen from the dead? And yet there's a general want of faith which is truly deplorable. Do we not see myriads of professing Christians who seem not to believe that Jesus died and rose again and is coming to judge the world? These are painful questions. Strong faith is indeed a rare thing. I think we should especially hear, as he says, to look to home, look to ourselves. As we see the disciples at this moment, though we do see a glimpse, it is encouraging as, as we read, as the, as the women come and they tell the disciples that he is risen, what's happening, they tell all that they have, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, the other women, they go to the apostles, they tell them these things, even though it seems it's an idle tale it's the way that they respond. They don't believe them. Yet, yet, yet we see Peter rise. Peter rises and he runs to the tomb. Peter, whose last interaction with his Lord was to betray him, to deny him. He runs to the tomb. He stoops. He looks in. He sees the linen cloths by themselves. And he goes away marveling at what had happened. Marveling. He didn't go away wondering. He didn't go away not sure. Marveling. It's true. He's risen. He's risen. Jesus, his disciples' lack of faith is a It's a reminder and an example of why Jesus' death and resurrection is so important. We all know, you, you know, how much you need God to graciously care for you. How outside of the strength of Christ you have no strength. That you are not your own foundation and rock. But that is our Lord and Savior. He is the one that holds us. We do not hold on to him. And then when he calls us to lovingly obey him, he calls us to faithfulness, and he calls us to duty as his people, we do it in the strength he gives us. Relying upon him as the Spirit indwells us. And mature Christians aren't embarrassed by the reality and the truth that every single day going on and on, we need Christ.
Christ is not just something we, we look to. Someone every now and then, when things are bad, we say, yes, no, Jesus, I forgot about Jesus, yes. It's our life, it's everything. And we rejoice in that great truth. For Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. Amen, amen. Let us pray. Father, we praise your name for your son. We are thankful for the incarnation. We're thankful for his perfect life. We're thankful for your love towards us when we did not love you. We're thankful for Christ going to the cross, his atoning death. His burial, and even as we've seen this evening, his resurrection, that we might rejoice in the first fruits, knowing that in Christ, that we too will be resurrected to life eternal with you. Oh Lord, we love you and ask that you might grow our faith in our Savior's name we pray. Amen.